Amen. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Welcome to the Vineyard. My name is Joe Wood, and we're glad to have you here with us this morning. I, uh, I want to share some things with you as we uh, enter into this crazy season, because we are about to launch into, um, or deeper into, the kind of the busiest season of our church. Um, Thanksgiving Day, or the, the last Sunday, was the biggest day of the year, but it doesn't mean that we're not busy as a congregation as we continue to try to make a difference in our communities. We just want to show people that God loves them. <clears throat> Excuse me, God loves them. The, uh, the More Than a Manger outreach is one that became very, very important to me. I don't know if you're familiar with that. I just want to share it with you for a minute. Um, that's one of those outreaches where we were doing the, uh, the Christmas tree thing. We were doing the deal where, you know, hang the little names out there or take a name of, of a child that's this old or that old. And we had a significant number of people from the community um, showing up and, and being a part of that. People that were saying, hey, we're having a tough go. Um, we need uh, some help with our kids. Different things were going on. Um, and uh, so we were excited to be a part of what, you know, generically is called the angel tree. I mean, you're familiar with what I'm talking about. And so we, we did that as a congregation. We did that for years as a congregation. And the reason that we kind of made a shift was, um, and again, my goal is how, Lord, can we make the, the, the biggest difference in our community that's possible that's an actual difference? And, and again, you know, the, the, the difficult morning came for me um, because we would always have a big opportunity for people to come get their gifts, and we did different things. We wrapped them together. We had hot chocolate. We had cookies while you know mom was getting the presents or dad was getting the presents. But I remember I was helping um, one of our volunteers help one of our clients um, with their um, things, for lack of a better way to say it, their gifts. And they literally went out to a minivan that was parked outside of our front door and slid the minivan door open and stuff started falling out. <clears throat> and they said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And then they took the stuff that we had and it was in big, big bags and they shoved it in there and held it while they shoved the door shut. Now, I'm not saying that that whole minivan was packed full. I'm just telling you at the front part of that minivan where the door opened was so full of presents from other churches that were doing their outreach on the same day. And these people were just going from outreach to outreach to outreach. And, of course, as we interact with people from Walmart, they're like, man, you don't know how much of this stuff gets brought back. It's ridiculous. And it's like, well, I get that. And I didn't want it to be something where it was like, I'm not here to judge whether or not you're worthy enough or unworthy enough to, to warrant us giving you gifts and presents for your kids. I don't want to be there. That's not where I want to be. What I want to do is, as, a, as the pastor of this church, I want to make a real difference. That's what I want to do. I want to put my head on my pillow and say, we made a difference in somebody's life. And I'm telling you, you know, a transformer in a 10-year-old's life or an 8-year-old's life on Christmas morning is still a difference. It is a difference, okay? But imagine that child's face when they come in and they've been sleeping on the floor for two or three years of their life. Some of you are those people. You've shared your stories with me. It made me cry. It's, <laughs> it's going to make me cry again. Sorry about that. Um, but you shared your stories with me that that's how you grew up. You grow up four or five kids to a bed until you couldn't put those four or five kids in a bed because they were too big for the bed. And then suddenly people are sleeping on the floor. They're sleeping in the other room. Things are really difficult. And listen, like it or not, um, however you want to say this, the children will always be, for lack of a better term, the victim. They will. They will always be the one that gets the short end. If, if, if it's people that are drug addicts, it's people that are alcoholics, it's people that um, just don't have any motive to get better jobs, if it's people that don't, it doesn't matter. The children are still getting the short change. And there's nothing wrong with us saying it doesn't. We're not here to judge parents. 
We're here to say, do your children have a need that we can meet as a congregation? And as a congregation, you've been able to step up. I think it was, we, we initially were making deals with Walmart and things like that. We weren't looking for a deal as much as we were just saying, hey, if we buy 25 beds for you, you know, what can you give us a cost price at and things like that. And we began to say, hey, you know, we can do that for about $300 a child. Um, we can put a bed together that's, that's a, it's a significant bed. It's not, you know, from Ethan Allen, I get that. But I'll tell you what, it's not the carpet from 1974 on the floor in the basement either. And it's a bed, and it's off the floor, and it's clean, and it's theirs, and, it, and they get to sleep in it every night, and they get a Bible, and they get a stuffy, and people prayed over them, and it has um, um, blankets and stuff that you provided, and that's why we do it. That's why we do it. And we've done it for the last, I think this is our sixth or seventh year, sixth, I, I, whatever it is, sixth or seventh year, and if you stop and figure out that that's six or seven um, times 20 um, over the la- I'm, I'm narrowing it down. We shoot for 25, but 20 over the last little while, you're still looking at 140 kids that you've bought beds for that are significantly important in this county. At any given moment, there are 200 to 250 kids in this county that do not have that, that privilege, and that's why we do it. And I, I want to thank you as the pastor for saying, hey, we're going to be a part of this thing, and we're going to make a difference. We've gone back after the outreach was over because people um, couldn't get in on it, weren't aware of it, we've had um, various organizations call us in the middle of the year and just simply say this father has a chance to get his child out of an addictive um, situation. Um, he's got parental visitation rights, but now he's trying to get, and so we provided them a bed last year um, during COVID. It's like, nope, a couple of us went over there, got to build it for him, pray with a man named Kevin, had a wonderful time with him, and we still are looking for ways. How can we make a difference? We is you. We is you. We is not me. We is not, did you see what Joe Wood did in Madison County? That's not what's going on. Did you see what Vineyard's doing in Madison County? That's not what's going on. What's going on is, do you see what Jesus is doing through those people in Madison County? That's what's going on. And that's what we want to keep going on, and I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Turkey's done. It's over. We ate all the broccoli casserole. We're done. Now what? Now what, Lord? Now what shall we do? How shall we live, God? We shall live at the gym. That's how we shall live. We shall all get a gym membership at Planet Fitness uh, and get a deal on it, and that will be, no, no, no. Um, I heard this, if I heard it once uh, heading into Thanksgiving, I heard it a thousand times. So what are we doing for Thanksgiving this year, Mama? What are we doing for Thanksgiving this year, Mama? Or Mama was saying, hey, what are you kids doing for Thanksgiving? By kids, I mean grown-up adults. What are you doing for Thanksgiving? She's trying to make plans. Or, um... What are your Thanksgiving plans? Or are you going to be coming home on Thanksgiving? Or should we get together on Friday? We got together on Saturday. We, we, we don't care. We just want to get together. And uh, are you coming home for Thanksgiving? And then now, now we're back to the next one, right? Hey, what are you doing on Christmas? Are you coming home for Christmas? Are you going to be a part of Christmas? It's, it's one of those deals. The thing that we love most, the thing that I love most, I should speak for myself, the thing that I love most about that, um, uh, these holidays is my family coming together. I absolutely love everybody's in the room that can possibly be in the room at the right time, at the same time, and we are eating together. And everybody has brought something, everybody has shared something, and it's amazing because we're a people that love to eat. We just are a people that love to eat. I was anticipating this message a couple of weeks ago, and I was looking at, you know, approximately 240 million turkeys are raised in America on 2,500 different farms annually. 240 million turkeys. 
Of those 240 million turkeys, 40 million turkeys get eaten on Thanksgiving. One out of six makes the cut. Okay? <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good thing for the turkey, but one out of six makes the cut. They don't all get pardoned the day before. Okay? That's how it is. 15% of you prefer ham. On Ham is for Easter. Just in case you were wondering, um, I would say 15% of you must be new Christians, okay? Because you don't seem to understand. Turkey on Thanksgiving, ham on Easter. But as it stands, 15% of you prefer ham on Thanksgiving. That equals 24 and three quarters, okay, million pounds of bone-in ham were sold last year, even during COVID. That's 619 semi-trucks full just for the record, okay? I don't know how many pigs made the cut for that, but that's just where it is, all right? Just going down through this, 50 million pumpkin pies are consumed at Thanksgiving, and that's just the pumpkin part. Not, I did not participate in that, okay? I'm not a, I, I don't hate pumpkin pie, it's okay, but you know, some of you, when August rolls around, you're not even waiting. It's like Christmas in October for some of you. Your trees were up, I saw it, okay? Before I got off Facebook, I saw it. That's why I got off. All right? I, I, I could not handle it. But some of you are like, oh, it's August 15th, pumpkin spice season. It's like, no, it's not. There is no pumpkin spice season. It's not a thing, but it is for you. Um, and it's getting earlier and earlier. But I don't eat pumpkin pies. But just for the record, 50 million pumpkin pies are consumed. 250 million pounds of potatoes are eaten in America every year over this holiday in some form or another. And if you're looking to start a business, $3.7 million worth of potatoes are prepared in a deli, picked up and taken home. You want a piece of that pumpkin pie? Yeah, start raising potatoes, okay? Run over to Save a Lot and order you a couple of semi-loads of them babies and start selling them out of your back door. You know, pre-prepared for your Thanksgiving um, holidays. The average American consumes 3,000 cal calories at Thanksgiving dinner. Holy cow, did I miss out. I'm trying to live on 1,635 calories. I, I just need to get my weight down. I just do. I need to get healthy again. So I've lost 25, 26 pounds over the last couple of months, and I'm feeling good. But I saw that, and I was like, wow, it's a free pass. 3,000 calories. You know, when we were doing mooching, Pastor Janice and I were doing mooching, and all the college students were coming into our house. We'd have five or six um, football players from EKU at our house as well. And I'm telling you, those boys would come in and sit down, and you'd look at their plate, and you'd start going, Ch -ch 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 -ch. there's about 2,000 calories on that plate right now. And they'd be like getting up going, hey, can I go back and get seconds? Like, let's just wait till everybody else is eating, you know, because their plate goes. I tried that EKU diet. I don't know if you've heard of that, uh, the EKU sports diet. Is where you go over to the pastor's house and you eat anywhere up to 3,000 calories, and on Monday you look svelte. You know what svelte is? <laughs> it's like that. It's svelte. You look at, it has not worked for me yet. Okay? I don't know what I'm doing wrong in this thing, but it's not working, so I'm going back the other way. There's something special about eating together. And that's why it's important to us as a church, believe it or not. It's why our small groups are um, lined up the way our small groups are lined up. In the early church, people were eating together, and, and, and people were finding a way to make sure that everybody had something to eat. They were gathering together in each other's homes on a daily basis. You want to talk about anticipating Jesus coming into our lives. They were inviting absolute strangers into their homes, and they were cooking up meals, and people were sharing what they had, even to the point, the Scripture will say, of selling land and making sure people had. Now, I'm not talking about 
people that had wants. I'm talking about people that had needs. I'm not talking about people that were too lazy to work. I'm talking about people that could not find a job, could not find money, could not find income, could not sustain themselves. And the church said, fine, we're going to find a way to feed the poor. That's what we're going to do. And so they were doing that on a regular basis. The Lord Jesus shared with us at the end of the age that the trumpet sounding will be like an invitation to a great wedding feast. We're eating again. It's the wedding feast of Jesus and the church. The bridegroom and the bride will finally be together at last. This is where I get to the scripture. Look at it in Matthew 22, 1 to 3. I'm going to be going through so much scripture today that I had to print it all off. Matthew 22, 1 to 3 said, Jesus spoke to them, to anybody that was listening but his disciples, he spoke to them in parables again, saying, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those that had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. And, and I don't want to get on the negative part about tell them you know, to come, but they refused. I just want to get to the place where it says that uh, the kingdom of God is like a, a master, God, who had a son, Jesus, and they sent um, um, prophets out into the world to tell people the true uh, nature of God, the person of God, that we've been restored to God and that God wants them to come back together because there's a wedding feast that's coming and, and they had an opportunity. Even in the book of Revelation in chapter 19, the scripture says, then I heard what sounded like a great multitude, like the roar of rushing waters, like loud peals of thunder shouting hallelujah. For our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Here it comes. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. And the angel said to me, write this. Write this. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Blessed are those. Did you get your invitation to the meal? Did you get your invitation to come have dinner with Jesus? Did you get your invitation because you are the bride? And he added, the angel of the Lord added, these are the true words of God. These are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. In Matthew 25, Jesus encourages us in verses 37 to 39. Then the righteous will answer him and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or need clothing and clothe you? When, you, when did we see you sick or in prison and go and visit you? That's what Jesus is going to say to the church. That's what he's going to say to the bride when they're sitting around to the dinner table. He's going to say, hey, thank you. When I was hungry, you fed me. When I was sick, you visited me. When I was in prison, you came and saw me. When I was naked, you clothed me. They're going to say, what? We just surrendered our lives to you and did what you told us to do on a regular and a daily basis. You ever wonder what that looks like? This past weekend, Pastor Janice shared with us, you provided well over 250 bags of groceries. We delivered 250 bags of groceries, but there were still groceries going out the door Sunday afternoon when we were trying to shut the church down because some of you knew some people that needed them. There were groceries going out the door in bags on Monday morning with people that came in and with some of your staff that were taking them out to people that they knew needed them. We were still, there are still bags of groceries here that we are going to hand out or use to seed our food pantry here. 
as we anticipate getting that started. There is food still here. We gave food. We. You provided, and we took them out. We gave food to people that we met. We prayed with these people. We loved on these people. We acted on their behalf without any regard for their worthiness. I love this picture. This picture was sent to me by one of you, and I really appreciated you sending it to me. This is just one of the members of our congregation out and meeting a man right on the street. You can see he's gave him the bag of, of groceries, and the man's little dog is there, and I'm not saying that little dogs are not near and dear to my heart. Okay, that one just barely makes the cut because they kind of got to be over about 45 pounds before I consider them dogs. I'm just throwing that out there for what it's worth, okay? But, you know, he's there, and this is the wonderful part. That man in the gray... Um, 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 athletic shirt is praying for the man who needs the groceries. That's you. That's, that's you, Vin. You're doing that right there. And then that man went to Dollar General and bought that man's little dog food and brought it back. And then that man came back on Tuesday, I think, and prayed with that man right there that he gave the groceries to because that man was going to get surgery and he didn't have anybody to pray with him. And he went back and prayed for him for his surgery. This is what it looks like when Jesus chooses to go out into the community and make a difference. This is what it looks like when you show up and say, where does this money go that we give to the church? <laughs> this is what it looks like when you say, ah, he wants us to give again, but not your money, your time your energy, your embarrassment, your humility, your, um, boy, this is going to really get me outside of my comfort zone. Give that to God. And watch what he begins to do with it on the streets of Richmond. And see if people like that don't start asking where they can meet Jesus. And how can they know this Jesus that you're talking about? Because nobody judged that man before they loved on him. Nobody judged that man before they gave him groceries. Nobody judged that man before they came back and prayed for him. This is what Jesus looks like through you. And I want to thank you for that, every one of you. It doesn't matter to me that you personally were not standing next to that young man. It matters to me that you as a congregation provided that so that the people that felt called to go out and do it could do it. Don't, feel, don't ever feel bad Look, look at me, don't ever feel bad that you're not one of the ones that walked up and down the sidewalks when you're the one of the ones that's providing the means for it to happen. Don't ever feel bad. We're doing this as a team. We're doing this together. But don't forget you're part of it. It's important. This is what heaven on earth looks like. In the vineyard, we refer to something that we call the now and the not yet. Jesus has come, but Jesus is coming. The kingdom of God came, the kingdom of God is here. That is, the kingdom of God is here in love and compassion, but the kingdom of God is still coming when the trumpet blows. That's what it looks like right there. When people look out there and say, what are they doing? And they go ask that man, what was that guy doing to you? And he says, he was praying for me, and he gave me food because I was hungry. And then... A couple hours later when he tells his friends, that man brought me dog food for my dog because you know what? Jesus cares about your dog. Is that, is that a dumb idea? I mean, I've got three and one on the way now. And it's like, I need an intervention. I just do. Okay, I know. I know I do. I need an intervention. But Jesus cares about your dogs. 
He cares about you so much that he cares about your dog. He cares about sending somebody back to you on Thanksgiving that he, you would not have met otherwise to bring you dog food for your dog. That's how, you say, that's love. No, love was hanging on the cross. This is just a continued expression of God's ongoing love for you. It's the it that we talked about when Jesus is in the boat with you. And you can bring it to Jesus. And that's what's going on. We provided, I, I wish you could hear the stories. I wish it was appropriate to share all of the stories and all, excuse me, and all of their details with you. But let me just say this to you and say it to you and you know that I can validate every one of these things that I'm going to say to you. Okay? You provided food for drug addicts last week. You did. Some of you prayed for them. You were there. You saw them. You told me. You provided for drug addicts. You didn't ask them if they were drug addicts. There was no doubt in your mind they were drug addicts. But you know what? You didn't care. You gave them food. <clears throat> you provided for children caught in the crossfire of life. They didn't pick that. They didn't pick that family. They didn't pick those circumstances that their parents were going through. They didn't pick to be orphans. They didn't pick to be in the foster care system. They didn't pick that. It happened to them. But you provided food for them. You provided food for a transvestite demonized by shame and hell. I know that for a fact. I talked to the man that prayed for him. You provided food for demon-possessed people, and you'll just have to believe that I believe that people are still demon-possessed, but not Hollywood style. The devil doesn't have to go to that extreme anymore, so why would he? You provided food for people without hope. You provided food for people that are hungry. You provided food for God's wayward children that don't even want to follow him right now, that don't know that he loves them. You provided food for people that should be at our church. All of these people. They should be sitting next to you in the pew, in the, in the chairs. We don't have pews. They should be making you uncomfortable. <laughs> they should be, because they're us. They're just broken different than me. That's all. I, I have to preach the truth, and I have to tell you what will and won't go in the kingdom of heaven but I don't have to do it with a rock or a sword in my hand. I don't. These people should be sitting next to us. These are the people that should be in our small groups. Welcomed into your home, fed on small group night. These are the people that should be in your friend group. And we have friend groups. That's good. That's normal. That's healthy. That's strong. These people should be in your friend group. These people should be on our Christmas lists without making it a big church ordeal. They should be on your Christmas lists. These are people that should be given an invitation to come and taste and see, according to Psalm 38 or 138, that the Lord is good. 138. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. It's just in my heart from years gone by. Come taste and see that the Lord is good. The last chapter of the Bible has this passage in it. Look, I'm coming soon. I believe that. 
I believe it as much as Paul believed it 2,000 years ago, but I believe that. Look, I'm coming soon. Look, my reward is with me, and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes, that they may have the right to eat at the tree of life, and they may go through the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs, those who practice magic arts, sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everybody who loves and practices falsehood, lying, cheating, and stealing. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. That's what Jesus says. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. The church and the Holy Spirit are here to say, come. And let the ones that hear the church say, come, say, come to other people. Let the one who is thirsty come, and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. As a result of all the things that the Lord is doing and has done in our lives, we should be the ones getting uncomfortable. We should be the ones making a difference. We should be the ones with the stories. We should be the ones looking for the lost sheep. We should be the ones leaving the 99 to go find the one, just like Jesus did. Because as Paul said, come follow me as I follow Christ. So regardless of how we got here, sooner or later, our goal is how am I following Christ? The first thing that I want to share with you as we wind this thing down is Jesus said, I'm coming soon. It's an ongoing theme. And I don't know what soon means. I know that when I say that I believe that Jesus coming back is imminent, that I'm 2,000 years closer or more right than the Apostle Paul was. And I take great pride in that, okay? Maybe too much, but I take great pride that I'm 2,000 years more right than he was. Okay? They anticipated Jesus coming back within weeks back then, within months. Okay? But I'm telling you, the Lord is coming back. He said, I am coming soon. Right there in Revelation 22. Deuteronomy 18, 15. The, the scripture says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own brothers. You must listen to him. That's Jesus. Okay, Deuteronomy, Moses is talking about Jesus coming. It's the prophet that was spoken of when Jesus said to Peter, who do the people say I am? And he said, well, some say that you're Elijah. Some say that you're John the Baptist comes back from the dead. Some say you're the prophet. Who's the prophet? The prophet is that one right there. It's Jesus. He's going to come and tell you what God wants you to know, and we must listen to him. We must persevere, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Peter said this, Don't forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. Clearly, Peter needed to encourage people to persevere and stay at it because they were saying, where is he? Where's his coming? What's going on? Why isn't he back yet? Okay? says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The element will be destroyed in fire, and the earth and everything done, and it will be laid bare. I am coming soon. We need to live like it's today and plan like it's going to be a while. Live like it's today that means we do things like it's Jesus is coming back today. But we plan that it might be a while. So should the Lord tarry, we will do this, that, or the other thing. And Peter says, don't forget this. A day with the Lord is a thousand years, but, but, he's not late. 
He's just waiting for more people to get saved. Which means he's waiting on you and I. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he sends more harvesters, not more seed sowers, more harvesters. The second thing Jesus says in Revelation 22 is, blessed are those that wash their robes. Blessed are those that wash their robes. White robes, according to the other scripture I read from Revelation, represents righteous deeds done at the Father's request. Look at this in Revelation 19. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come. His bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, that's the white linen robes, was given for her to wear. Parentheses, John says, let me tell you what that means. Fine linen stands for the righteous acts of God's holy people. It means giving food to people that need food, period. Praying for people that need prayed for, period. Inviting people that need invited, period. No, no background check. Love them and invite them. Love them and invite them. That's what it means. We're willing to do the things that God asks us to do even if it makes us uncomfortable. You know, Jesus told a, young, a rich young man, he said, the rich young man said, what do I need to do to inherit the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, well, this, 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 and this. And they had that discussion. We talked about this last week. But it came down to this. Sell everything you've got, give to the poor, and then come and follow me. And the scripture says, and the man went down with his face, left with his face downcast, with his face thrown to the ground because he was very wealthy. I don't say that to attack your money, your wealth, your, your 401k or anything. I just, I just say, how come God doesn't say that to people anymore and they take him up on it? How come there's not story after story after story of people saying, you know what? He said, sell it all and give it away and then come follow him. So that's what I'm going to do. Where is that passion? Not that action. Where is that passion today? Of people saying, I got to do this. Blessed are those that wash their robes. And then the last thing is, the scripture says, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. Because as you and I hear the message, our, our, our commission is to share the invitation. Share the invitation. Who did you invite to church this morning? Not who did you invite into a close personal relationship to Jesus for um, asking them to repent of their sins and get down on their knees and pray the prayer. No, 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 no. I'm not asking you to make a theological discussion with somebody at all. I'm just saying, who is it that you thought, mm, I need to make sure I'm inviting somebody to church? Somebody that needs a church, not somebody that's at a church. Okay? Somebody that needs a church a community, a place to be. Share the invitation this season. I want to challenge you in that. Share, share the invitation. The spirit and the bride say come, it says in verse 17. The spirit and the bride say come. That's the Holy Spirit and the church, the real church. They extend an invitation to everybody that will listen. To the one that listens, that person turns around and says come. Persons that have freely given, freely give. As we anticipate opening up a, a, a food pantry, I know the question's coming, just like it did the first year that we were at church. How will people know that we have food? We should advertise. No, 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 no. You don't need to advertise. The homeless have a network. People in need have a network. And I don't say that derogatorily or mean. I'm just saying when word gets out where you can find the good stuff for free, people get there as fast as they can. See? And then it starts building, and it's a good thing. Think about yourself. Well, 
we have found something really great, haven't we? We have found a relationship with Jesus, a relationship in small group, a relationship with a church that will not let us be hung out to dry. We do not have to be alone. But we're there. Who can come? Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of the water of life come. Take the free gift. Not earn it. Not own up to it. Take the free gift. Then let the free gift transform you. Don't get transformed by your own power and then come and say, now I'm worthy enough to take it. We'll never be worthy enough, any one of us. So come take the free gift and then leave with the mind of, it was a free gift to me, it should be a free gift to anybody else. It's all about grace. For it is by a free gift, the grace from God, that you've been forgiven because you have chosen to believe it for yourself. Not because you earned it, or are worthy of it, not by work, so that nobody gets to boast over anybody else. That's just me rewriting the book of Ephesians scripture. That's, not, that's just me stopping and saying, what, what is Paul saying to the, to the church in Ephesus? He's saying, for it is by a free gift from God that you've been forgiven. Because you have chosen to believe it for yourself, not because you earned it or are worthy of it, and not by work so that nobody can boast over any other person in this room. Your past does not dictate your place in the family here at the vineyard. It doesn't. Somebody once said, the journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. And there is no place where that is truer than in your everyday life. There's no place where it's truer. When you hear the Spirit of the, of the Lord say, come, when the church says, come, when the bride says, come, when the Lord says, come, there is no place that this journey of a thousand miles begins with one step. There's no place that it's truer than hearing the Lord say, come, and taking that first step. So what is it that you and I are called to as we leave Thanksgiving, which I hope you were very thankful for, had a wonderful time with your families, with your friends, with people that you gathered with, and took a step towards Christmas and the celebration of Christmas? What do we do? We stop and decide who it is that we're going to give an invitation to. Which of our friends, which of our family, no discussion, just an invitation. No, hey, you'll get straightened out if you come to church. No, 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 no. Just an invitation. Just an invitation to the, some of the various things that are going on. Specifically to the gingerbread build-on. My understanding is you show up, the gingerbread stuff is here. Then you're going to put the gingerbread stuff together, or your children are. We know how that goes, right? Yeah, your three-year-old built that? Four stories, doghouse out back. Yeah, I don't think so. It looks like your child's science project. You know, it's like, did your mom and dad help you? No. Like, yeah, we know what goes on at that house. They're married to a scientist. See, you bring your children. Stop the commercialization of Christmas for just a couple of hours. Come to the church. Invite your neighbors who don't go to church. Hey, you want to do something really fun with your kids? Don't say, come to our church. Say, come, let's go up to the mall. There's a place here that's having a gingerbread build-up. Don't say church. <laughs> Just say the mall and invite them in. See, you can do something. You can do something. 
about this whole kingdom of God. You can do something. Invite that family that's just out there. Invite them to come. And then on the 17th at 7 o'clock, stop the commercialization. We're going to clear out all these chairs the week before, the Sunday before, and we're going to put tables and chairs and all kinds of things in here. Bring your favorite game. Bring your favorite friends. Play games, hang out for an hour, two hours, have some free coffee, some snacks, and things like that. Various people will be up here singing different things. It's not all going to be church music. It's all going to be Christmas music, I hope. But anyway, I haven't seen her since she came back from Thanksgiving, so I just, you know, I got to be wary. Um, be careful. Make sure I don't tread on her area. But you can invite somebody to the coffee house. Just bring them to come hang out for a while. I want to encourage you in this. Make making a difference instead of a judgment normal for your family this season. Leave that up there for a minute. Make making a difference instead of a judgment the Christmas gift that you give to our community this year. Make making a difference instead of a judgment be the reason that you do something for somebody else this year. Make Christmas for somebody you don't know this year or don't know well. I just want to encourage you in that. Father, as we come before you, we lift up our hearts and we say thank you. We are a people that are grateful for the things that you've done in our lives, and I feel like we're winding things down and coming to the end of the year. And, 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 and Lord, it just, I don't know, it, it, it just feels something's going on. It's going on in the world. It's going on all around. There is a place where I see pockets of you on fire. There are places where I see the darkness and hope deserted. And I just ask and pray that as you've put us here, that you set us on fire, Lord. That you set us on fire and then you set us on a hill. And then allow us to go to people, allow people to run to us. Thank you for the Thanksgiving outreach. Thank you for all the hands, all the dollars, all the provisions, all the food, Lord. Thank you for all of that. Thank you for the people that went out, that risked their presence in the presence of other people. God, I just ask and pray that every single person that got one of these bags of food, that you would continue to reach into their lives. God, we speak against the demons that are driving them to hell. We speak peace upon their souls. We speak um, health to their life. And we speak your presence in their dreams, and their visions, God. And we just ask and pray that you continue to make us aware of what it is you're doing so that we can join you. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. These people are up here because they want to pray with you. And I don't know what it is you want prayer about. I don't know. They're, they're, again, there's just a judgment-free zone. <laughs> if, if you want a new job, if you want a surgery coming up, if you want something you're going through, if you want a Nintendo for Christmas, I don't care what it is, okay? If, if you're just at that place and you're like, hey, you know what? I need prayer today. We want to pray for you. Because I believe that prayer touches the heart of God. And powerful things happen in people's lives when people gather to pray for them. So while we're singing this song, 
If there is something that you want prayer for, these people are up here and they just want to pray with you. All right, let's join to our feet and, and, and worship.